Smartcast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have the opportunity of interviewing special guest Mickey Strange of Tampa Bay Spirits, LLC. Mickey is a paranormal investigator and a founding member of Tampa Bay Spirits. She's been investigating the paranormal phenomena for over 10 years. As an intuitive, she's used her talents to assist homeowners in distress and investigate well-known venues. Paranormal phenomena has been one of those things that has been very interesting to most of us in society. I know that the media and Hollywood uh, provide their own version of these types of investigations. And I wanted to have Mickey come on the show to share her personal experiences as a paranormal investigator in order to provide a contrast to the way that the media and just the way that these particular types of investigations are portrayed in our society. I'm very excited to have Mickey on the show, and I know that Tampa Bay Spirits is doing some amazing things, and it's just great to hear about what they're going to be doing in the future, and i um, very happy to have Mickey come on the show. Welcome Glad to the show, to Mickey. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure. I know when we spoke about two weeks ago, I thought it was before you went to Europe. You went to the UK to do an investigation, if I recall correctly. Is that right? Yes, we kind of, well, I took a bunch of friends with me, but we also investigated a few places. That's, that's phenomenal. Um, what I want to do is just get into your background for a few minutes, and then we'll get into Tampa Bay Spirits and your role as a paranormal investigator. Um, outside of this stuff, uh, what type of work do you do? I'm actually um, a, I was a wound care nurse, but now I work in hospice care, which is pretty funny wow. because I have, I have a different view um, than a lot of people about death. So actually the paranormal has helped me deal with hospice patients. That's amazing. Uh, my grandfather actually passed in a hospice and a lot of close friends, their relatives as well. And I had someone on a, about a year ago, a family friend who was a hospice nurse back about 10 years ago in California. And she provided some very interesting details uh, regarding yeah. her personal experiences as a hospice nurse. She was indicating to me that on, on our, our prior episode, uh, Diana Benner, her name is, she lives in Costa Rica now, but uh, she had indicated that when she was working as a hospice nurse that she noticed spirits coming in and out of bodies when they passed. I'm, I'm kind of ad-libbing mm-hmm. a little off the top of my head, but it, it's, it's an, a really interesting idea to think that we, <laughs> you can wind up in that kind of role considering your background and your talents. Um, <laughs> what what what, what I want to ask you is, at what point did you realize that you had intuition, and how did you first deal with it? I was born with it. I didn't know okay. what it was. 
Um, <clears throat> I remember things like being at a very young age, uh, walking down the stairs, and I wouldn't go all the way down because I saw that family in the basement. And I remember their faces being kind of a grayish color, and I was afraid of them. I probably was three years old, maybe three and a half wow. at the most. And um, my mother would walk me down the steps and with my hand in hers and say, see, there's nothing down here. But I would still see them. And I would agree with her. Yes, there's nothing down here. Because at that young age, you still learn, oh, I shouldn't talk about this. Even though if she had known I was really seeing them, she wouldn't have done that. It's just, you know, that's what you do for any child's fear. Back then, I know a lot of people were, parents would probably instruct their children not to discuss these type of abilities because being judged by society and having those kind of things occur, um, it wasn't really something that was as uh, open as I feel like now we have a renaissance going on. I usually refer to that in my episodes, that there's a renaissance going on with new age, psychic phenomena, paranormal, understanding of these kind of things by our society. And I want to ask you, have you found that yourself in the last 10 years that you've been doing these investigations? Have you found that society is changing its viewpoints towards this topic and how they approach it and understand Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I told you I just started a new job as a hospice nurse in hospice house. I'm going through orientation. And when I was in orientation, there are several chaplains in there with us, of course, because they're much needed. And um, I kept my hair down for the first two days because I have an identifying tattoo. I think um, I didn't want any flack from anyone, and I didn't need anything like that. And we talked about spirituality. I just flat out said I'm pagan, and I was amazed that the chaplains were accepting of me. that's phenomenal. You know, I've, gotten to that life, I've gotten to that point in life where I don't care if you follow my path, believe in my path or whatever, then that's fine. Um, I respect you. You can respect me. The core value of our country is freedom of religion, the ability to, you know, worship any way you like. So you definitely <laughs> have the right to do anything that fits within your comfort zone. I, I think it's phenomenal that you can do that at your new job and not have to worry about getting side looks or anything like that. And it's, it's good because I think acceptance is going to be the future trend on a lot of this stuff. Um, as our mm-hmm. society becomes more enmeshed in these type of phenomena, I think it's going to be something that does change paradigms over the long run. It's going to take some time, but I believe it's going to happen for sure. You're never, never going to have 100% acceptance. Because even with people that have other religions, they don't always accept other religions. And so you're never going to have that. That's just man. Um, You know, there's always going to be that faction that thinks you have to think how they think. And so that's fine. And I get that. And once you let that go and you don't think that you have to prove to someone that it's legit what you're doing, listen, my religion's a lot older than yours. (laughs) But then, then you don't have to prove anything to anyone. If they want to ask, you can talk to them. And I've had some good dialogue that way. But um, it's, there's always going to be someone that thinks that you need to believe the same as they do. Uh, you're right about that, especially when it comes to organized faith and those kind of things. I'm not going to pass judgment on any of that stuff. You know, they're entitled to their viewpoints like we're entitled to ours, at least how I approach it. Um, looking at your role, as a paranormal investigator with Tampa Bay Spirits, can you tell me, tell our audience a little bit about how you got involved 
in Tampa Bay Spirits and how you became a paranormal investigator? Well, I started when I was still living in Ohio. I grew up in the original farmhouse in the area where I'm from. And it was built back in like the 1830s, something like that. And uh, there were spirits, full body apparitions sometimes in that house. And I was terrified as a kid. As I got older, went away to college, I kind of pushed that away and didn't use my senses and tried to pretend like they weren't there. And um, it wasn't until I came back from college that I met another friend. We started talking and we decided to do informal investigations ourselves, but I'd say we did a pretty good job. And um, I went with this friend. After I moved to Florida, my husband got transferred. After I moved to Florida, I looked for a team. And it took me a while to find someone that wasn't, you know, extreme ghost hunting, as what I call it, where they're disrespectful, they're calling out, they're taunting, things I don't really approve of. That's not my, um, the way that I do things. You do things your way, but I'm respectful. This person, if they were alive, I would not treat them that way. If they're dead, I'm not going to treat them that way. And um, I found a team, joined them, and I have been with them ever since. That's great. That's great. How yeah. um, your role as a paranormal investigator? Can you tell us a little about what Tampa Bay Spirits is like? How it's how it's organized? How many members you have? And um, what your particular role is in the investigation? In, I'm sorry, in the organization. Right. We're kind of a core group, a smaller group. We have about anywhere from six to eight. At times, we've had more. Some people, it's hard to commit to something that you're putting time into and not getting paid for. So I understand why people can't maybe stick for a long time. But these, this core group's been together for 10 years or more. And um, basically, we are mixed. We have technical investigators, and then we have intuitive investigators. And the intuitives are also technical but we do things in a specific way. And that is by, we have one person that talks to the client when they contact us. And that person is the only one that knows the address, knows any information about the person, and knows what's going on. They do an interview with the client. Once they interview, then they will set up whether or not who can go and we'll arrange a date. They don't tell us where we're going. We meet at a restaurant in the local area. At that time is when they tell us, this is the address. This is where you're going to. We get there. The techs start setting equipment up and getting it out of the cars. And while they're doing that, the intuitives walk in, don't say a word to each other. We do a silent walkthrough with paper and pencil. And the reason that we don't talk to each other because we don't want to influence each other. And so we walk through, write down anything we pick up. When we're finished with the silent walkthrough, we'll tell the text areas we want them to concentrate on, and they'll set up equipment there. Um, we also will sit down with the homeowner, tell them what we picked up intuitively, and they can verify whether the information is correct or not. And from then, we go on to a purely technical investigation. Interesting. Uh, tell me... How does somebody 
contact you to set up this type of an investigation? Like, do, is it usually for the word of mouth? Is it through your website? What what usually do you find your leads are for clients that want to have you guys come out and investigate the property that they have or whatever it is that's involved here? I get a lot of emails through the website, which TampaBaySpirits.com, but I I have to be I'm embarrassed to say it, but it hasn't been updated for a good year and a half. I started it, built it myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I learned. YouTube's wonderful. And um, I get a lot of people that email me through that. But I also, it's word of mouth. Um, People will contact us. I might mention in front of somebody and they'll say, oh, I've got a problem. Can I talk to you? Can we get you guys to come in? A lot of people don't want to do so. They're afraid it's going to cost money, but we don't charge. That's excellent. I'd like to I'd like to highlight that point because a lot of people would maybe think that you're able to charge for your services for your time spent. How do you um, fund your budget for your organization if you work off of uh, not charging your clients? We pay out of pocket. It's our passion. It's something that we are wow. interested in. We are all um, professionals and have our own jobs. And we just, we do the traveling and everything ourselves. Um, we've been limiting the um, personal investigations to the Tampa Bay. We've gone over toward Orlando, Ponciana, you know, but within a couple hours drive um, is the most that we would do. And um, we fund it ourselves. We buy our own equipment. You know, we do all of that ourselves. We do have membership fees for our members. When they come in and apply to be a member of the group, we do background checks. We're taking you in somebody's house. We got to know that it's okay to take you in someone's house. We do background checks. We do interviews. It's like going for a job um, because we we have a reputation and we also have to make sure that if we're going to go in someone's private home that we're taking someone in there that doesn't have a background that I have to worry about them stealing money or even someone accusing them. Even if they didn't do anything, a client accuses you of taking something, I better have a clean background on my people. And, um, you know, that's part of having some integrity. We pay for it. We pay for all the gas. We go through everything. Interesting point. I want to ask this. Uh, As an attorney, I have to, you know, I belong to bar associations who govern us. With paranormal investigations, is there any such entity from the state or federal or any local government that you guys work with that help regulate what paranormal investigators should do with a code of ethics or any kind of rules and regulations on how to adequately conduct a proper investigation? Absolutely not. There is the what is it, the American Society for Psychical Research. Um, it's one of the oldest societies, and it's been around since the 1800s, and they have guidelines. Um, I don't think a lot of people review those guidelines. You need to read. But if the government gave us any kind of regulations, then that would have to be that we are legit. And I don't think anyone wants to admit that. That's a good point. um, How did you guys create your own criteria, criteria for conducting the background checks and doing these vetting procedures. Was there anything in particular you went to to create that, or was that something intrinsically that as a group you created within yourselves? 
I think we created within ourselves as a group because we wanted to make sure that we weren't seeing, we wanted to be taken legitimately. You know, we want someone to look at us and say, hey, you know, we're not some 17, 18-year-old kid. Even if you're interested at 17, 18, it's nothing against you. But we wanted them to realize that these are professional people. We have teachers, electricians, construction worker, nurses. I mean, we just have profess- uh, real estate agents, professional people that have daily lives, but we want them to understand that what we do, we take seriously. It isn't a hobby or a joke. It's actually something we pursue. We could, we could call it a spiritual passion. <laughs> That's what I tell people. What I do as a, the stuff that I do is a spiritual passion. It's something I'm very passionate about. It's spiritual in nature, and it's something that is the easiest way to explain it because most people really don't understand it. Um, probably like you know, being an intuitive psychic medium and a lawyer, probably I'm sure people look at you with what you do as a hospice nurse and uh, a paranormal, intuitive paranormal investigator, and they're probably scratching their heads going, well, how do those two fit? <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know what you can say to that? Easily, <laughs> because we're passionate about it, and we can make it fit and make it work. Um, that's, that's a, that's... It on, my job. on my job as a nurse, I can walk down the hall, look in the room, and I'll know if something's wrong. And it's intuitive. if you're an intuitive, you're a great nurse because you're picking up on your patient's pain, you're picking up on their distress, their concerns, even before you go in the room. That's interesting. People ask me all the time if I use my psychic stuff when I'm a lawyer. I say absolutely not because we're so regulated as attorneys and the ethics and all that. Right. that I, I basically block out the psychic stuff. And I, I just say I switch hats <laughs> from uh, my, my lawyering time. I switch hats and then go into my other stuff, which uh, is this stuff. So it's, 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 it's interesting that you have a similar path and you have similar things that you guys are working through as well. I, I find that very intriguing for me. And I'm sure audience finds that mm-hmm. interesting that, you know, this isn't a full-time endeavor, just like it's not a full-time endeavor for me. We do have day jobs. We do have roles in society. We carry state licenses that regulate our professional lives. <laughs> and we have all these yeah. things that we have to comply with in order to become a hospice nurse or an attorney. So it's not like we're just you know, sitting there and saying, oh, let's go do an investigation or let's go read people. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, right. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We're going to say, if you had anything to add, I want to make sure. Well, my point is that, you know, because we're professional, you want to present yourself that way. And we're used to having credentials behind us. So when I go in as a paranormal team, how are you going to have legitimate credentials? There's nothing I can do besides to tell you that we have background checked these people and made sure that they don't have any criminal records to bring into your house. How else am I going to do anything? There's nothing there for a paranormal team to be able to show someone. That's interesting. Good point. It's not like, it's not like you have a, a badge or a, a driver's license type thing, ID, that you can show, hey, this is our credentials. <laughs> you can't do that. But what you can do is show your passion and your experience. And yeah. I'm sure that that does suffices sufficiently enough for probably people who, who, come, who come to you for help. And that's actually something I want to ask you as a follow-up is what type of uh, – people have you seen in your 10 years experience as a paranormal investigator? How do they come to you? And what is, it's probably hard to uh, give a a broad example, for example, but I I would just be curious if if I'm listening as a member of the audience, I'm thinking poltergeist, 
I'm, I'm dating myself at this point. I'm in my 40s, but, you know, or Annabelle or any of these kind of shows that you watch, movies that you watch, where you show these hip paranormal investigators that walk in and, you know, it, and the rest is entertaining for the movie. I would ask, what's it like in real life for you as a paranormal investigator compared to the way it's portrayed by our popular media and culture? Much more tedious because you spend a lot of time. You gotta figure those shows boil down to what, 10, 20 minutes, 15 minutes of evidence at, um, after being there for several days. So it's time consuming, it's tedious because you have review afterwards. And I think I told you before about um, audio is very tedious because you have to go and do, it might take you a while, for 15 minutes might take you several hours. Because not only do you have to listen to it, you have to isolate what you found, you have to um, bring up the volume, you have to filter to see if it's actual speech, um, and it takes me a while before I'll say yay or nay. So, you know, it's, it's work. Uh, you have to be devoted to it. You have to have a passion. That's great. I, I, I can understand that, especially... Um, in terms of a, a typical investigation, how long does that usually take your organization to complete an average investigation? It depends on the size of the venue. Um, there's been places like Lent Mansion in St. Louis that we we stayed overnight, two days, in the building. But if I have a residential, normally we'll go and it'll take two, three hours to do our initial sweep. Now, once we pick somebody up as a client, um, they are our client forever. And they will always be able to come to us. So normally, if we find activity that's not resolved or we feel that there's an issue there, we will go more than once. We will do a reinvestigation. And as many times as it takes, as long as the person's able to do so, because our goal is to gather evidence. Their goal is to be able to live in their house comfortably. So you've got to meet them in the middle somewhere and make sure that they're not afraid. That if there is something there that scares them, that they know how to deal with it. You've got to arm them. You've got to give them knowledge. So it's not just high and by unless it's nothing major. If it's family members, once we figure that out, most people are pretty happy they're there. Um, but if it's something else, then it has to be, they have to be educated and learn how to deal with it. What has been the greatest lesson you've learned as a paranormal investigator in your career with this passionate spiritual endeavor that you do? couple things. Learn how to protect yourself. Always practice protection. Um... That sounds like an adult telling their teenager that. <laughs> Honestly, a, you are vulnerable if you go in wide open. And wide open being for an intuitive is that you do not have your guard up. Um, people don't understand, but you can pick up spirit and take it home with you. Um, you can mm. be affected by it can drain your energy. There's a, we call it paranormal hangover after an investigation when we have a lot of activity. You're going to be tired for uh, a few days. 
And the thing about it is, is that you've got to learn how to protect yourself. And I've also learned that not everything's paranormal and shouldn't assume that it is. And never make assumptions. Never make assumptions. Because it may not be, this person's so hoping it's their mother or their sister or whatever, and it's someone totally unrelated. So wait and see what the evidence says before you make any assumptions. With reference to your own individual intuitive abilities, how have you found that those abilities have helped you in a typical investigation? It helps me figure out where to uh, put equipment, where to focus. It, I have this, uh, I hate that I, I get stuff this way, but I pick up pain a lot of times. So I'm going to tell you probably what that person was going through physically, possibly how they died or how they were injured at one time in their life or if they had, you know, something happened to them. Like lower back pain for renal failure, um, a headache for a gunshot to the head, things like that I pick up on. So it gives me clues to help um, validate who this person was. That helps a lot. It helps me figure out where to concentrate. Um, it also lets me know whether I'm dealing with something I need to be cautious of, although that doesn't always reveal itself. But um, it's called discernment, and discernment will let you know whether or not you're wasting your time there or actually there's something going on. Hmm. Let me ask you this. With reference to your investigation, you mentioned protecting yourself. How would you go about protecting yourself? Because members of our audience may not know exactly what that means. Well, it's important to make sure that your energy is preserved for you and that um, you don't bring people home. You don't draw people to you and that you will remain your own person. And it depends on your faith. Um, whatever I consider intention very important and whatever you have faith in, faith is a beautiful thing, or belief in will be your best mode of protection. And you got to figure everything's energy. So you need to learn how to use that to manipulate that to protect yourself. Some people will sage, some people use specific crystals. They might um, say a prayer before they start. It's very important anytime you're doing anything uh, paranormal, whether you be doing a, a simple um, blessing or whatever, when you open it, you set your boundaries, your spirit that's there, and when you're finished, you close it and do not allow them to go with you. So um, that's one of the basic ways of protecting yourself. Okay. Now, uh, I know before we got on the air, you mentioned that you um, have knowledge of crystals and gemstones. And I wanted to ask you, because mm -hmm. of my own passion with that, have you utilized your knowledge of crystals and gemstones as a part of your own personal investigation uh, into the paranormal? Most of the time, I will wear something that's protective. Um, protect me in travels, protect me against negative energy. I will wear some type of jewelry, something that's meaningful, just like people wear a cross every day if they're Christian. 
I will wear something that I have imbued with my own uh, energy to be protective. And when I say imbued, the intention. When somebody holds a rosary and they pray, you've imbued that rosary with your intention of prayer. Just the same with crystals. Crystals don't do anything by themselves. They are simply a tool. And if you use them, you can, they call it charging, but they can assist you with protecting yourself. I, I believe that 100%. And I believe, I have an eclectic approach with that. Some of my close friends are very religious or they are you know, Catholic or Christian or whatever. And uh, mm -hmm. I tell them, from my own personal viewpoint, I, uh, I, I was raised basically my mom went to Woodstock. So she raised me to be open-minded to any kind of spiritual stuff. And then in my twenties, I became Catholic and then I became intuitive. And next thing you know, I'm st I still like some stuff from the Catholic faith that I just personally utilize. But I think, I think your relationship with our maker and the universe is personal in nature. So for protective things, I would, you know, have an eclectic approach. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if I did something like that between holy water, crystals, and anything else, if it works for you and you feel comfortable with it, Go with it. <laughs> That's what I tell people all the time. Uh, yeah, let me ask you this. Absolutely. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The Jets on that. Well, the thing about it is, is that I grew up very similar. I was Catholic um, and grew up to love Jesus. I still do. I still do. Me too. <laughs> um, there are some things that are divine truths, and he spoke divine truths, and I, I do believe that. I don't go with organized religion. I have a problem when man starts putting himself into it to manipulate people. And so I'd just rather I not that. go that route. Yeah. But believe you me, I, my sister is Catholic and practices, and it's beautiful, her spirituality. It's a gorgeous religion. There are a lot of religions that are beautiful, but um, it's not mine. I can understand that. Uh, that's why I call spirituality for me. A, it's a personal thing. It's your own relationship. And and everyone I talk to who has their own faith, um, they, I think they have a pretty open mind when it comes to understanding that we are all different, but we all have similar shared values and ideals. And I had, um, I definitely believe in that. And and when it comes to this kind of stuff, I think it's important to have an open mind. Yet put your own approach on it. Put your own beliefs into it because you're going to be the one doing these investigations. Um, have you ever had a client that you worked with in one of these investigations uh, be too afraid when you're there and you're documenting your evidence that they decided that they didn't want to go any further with it? Have you, you know, what kind of reactions have you received from the people you work with and, and what's been most notable for you that you'd like to share? Most of the people that we work with, we leave with them saying, I'm really relieved. I'm not afraid anymore. Um, this is good to know, and I'm glad I have some tools. Most people that, in fact, almost everybody, because the paranormal is unknown. There's nothing scarier than the unknown to humans. Um, you know, that's why death is so scary to them, because it's the unknown. Um, but most of them are extremely relieved. Now, I've gone into people's houses. I call them over-believers. They've watched all those shows and, oh, it's a demon, it's a demon. Well, that's extremely rare. Extremely rare. Um, and 
I would say, no, it's probably not. Um, but because something's happening, they think that it's evil. And um, that's not true. Um, if it's your grandmother in your house moving things around, she's not evil. She wasn't evil when she was alive. She's not evil when she's dead. But you will get over believers. And as soon as you walk through the door, you know that they are making things up. You know, and they might be making up the cat jumped down off of this. I hear things thumping. Um, you always go with an open mind, but it isn't long before you realize, oh, here's what we've got. They're watching those shows. Sometimes it's for attention. Sometimes some people might not be completely balanced, you know. But you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Even if you have mental illness, you could be tormented because you're vulnerable. And so you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. You can't really, like I said, have preconceived um, ideas about it. You need to do the investigation as you would for anybody else. But I run across that. There's a lot of overbelievers out there. And, you know, it's hard not to say to yourself, oh, no, here we go, you know. It's hard not to. You can't do that. Uh, I can understand that. I, I th when you were just talking about that, I was thinking back to when I watched the marathons of A Haunting. It's one of those shows on cable. I think it's TLC or Discovery Channel ID, one of those. And I remember when I watched those, I, I spooked myself out. I have to sleep with the lights on after that because I feel like something's <laughs> watching me. Have you yeah. had people who help you in these investigations and they watch a few of those type of shows and next thing you know they're they're over amped up overly sensitive i know you said over believe uh, you know the, about that but have you found that these type of programs shape people's ideas of what they expect when it comes to these kind of phenomena and if so what Absolutely. do you do to combat that well i hate to tell them but they're not going to see any hocus pocus when i walk in um, you're going to see somebody with recorders and equipment setting things up and being methodical. Um, so, yes, absolutely. They're excited. I actually had one, and there's activity in the house, but we had one woman invite us down, and we walk in the room and we start to do our silent walkthrough and we sit down to talk with her. In the door walks all these teenagers. They heard mom was having a, a paranormal investigation, and they came to walk at us. And just sit around and ask us questions, you know. And we're thinking, well, we're working here. <laughs> this isn't really, you know, this isn't question and answer time. We're trying to, to get things sorted, you know, taken care Interesting. of. Interesting. Sure. And, and, and for the spirit and for the homeowner. But it became difficult because it was like a sideshow. You know, it just, it was like one of those town cars. It just kept coming in, more and more teenagers. So, you know. So you yeah, were, you we were the audience. That. You had an audience for that investigation. <laughs> we, we had groupies. We have groupies. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they were protesting. It was a good experience talking to kids and kind of allaying some of those fears and myths out there. But at the same time, we were there to serve a purpose. And, um, you know, bringing a bunch of kids in that diverts you from what you need to do. Definitely. I can understand that. It should be age specific, right? Or age appropriate and <laughs> limit the number of parties involved in the investigation so that you're not going to have all these people interfering 
and interrupting what you're really trying to do as a legitimate investigation, preserving evidence, documenting things, and all that kind of stuff. I can imagine where that would be frustrating, but you're also probably very intrigued by them being intrigued and showing up and being like, hey, tell me a little about what this is like. And you're like in front of them. I could see you setting up your equipment and hopefully no one trips. <laughs> You've got your yeah. stuff set up. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Go ahead. What yeah, was that? Equipment's not cheap. Equipment's not cheap. You know, it, it, it's, not, it's not something that's cheap. And um, a lot of times you can't get that everywhere to get decent equipment. And you do pay for it. So, yeah, it's just concerned. <laughs> a concern. Tom, describe a little about the equipment that you guys have, because I'm curious how you obtain the equipment. And then, in, and I, I know you're saying it's not cheap. Can you give us a ballpark range of what you use for your typical investigation and how much that type of equipment might cost if a, if an average layperson tried to decide tomorrow after hearing this episode that they want to start their own paranormal investigation group? What would you recommend to them? Well, now they're finally coming out with stuff that is more than one thing. So like a very good piece of equipment, an eddy monitor, it's EDI. It takes barometric pressure. It takes the room ambient temperature. It checks vibration. Um, I, I can't remember if it's got a proximity sensor on it or not, but it's a several different functions. And the thing that's good about that is it'll download right to your computer. So if I've got something that shows up on my audio or my cameras at the same time, I can go back to this eddy and I can look and see, did the temperature change? Did the barometric pressure change? So you have something to back up your other evidence. And so, and they're also, they've got new millimeters now that have laser grids on it proximity sensors, and an EMF detector. Um, that is the way it's going. Now, mind you, both of those pieces of equipment are about 200 bucks. So um, starting out, your biggest thing is get yourself paper and pencil. Start, you know, <laughs> and, and be methodical. And a nice tape recorder. And when you look for a tape recorder, you want to find something that has uh, the sound floor, you want as very little hiss as what you can get because you're going to have to put that on the computer and listen to it. And let me tell you, it gets old trying to clean that hiss out of a uh, EVP. So a tape recorder, a digital tape recorder, and um, I would say probably don't go with a K2, which is everybody does. K2 has its place, but it has a lot of false positives. I would go with a millimeter. A tri-field is very expensive. You're going to be looking at about $300. And the difference between those is they have different planes. A tri-field has three different fields it measures on, side to side, front and back, top to bottom, whereas um, the millimeter, I think, is side to side and front and back, I think. I have to look that up again. But the K2 is very sensitive. It's good for communication and because it's easier for the spirit to manipulate, but it's going to pick up on cell phones. It's going to pick up on a text message. It's going to go off on your um, microwave next to your refrigerator. You're going to get a lot of false positives with it. Hmm. Let me me ask you this. In reference to this equipment, do you have to get it regularly maintenanced? 
And if so, like, let's say one of these things fails, where do you go and how do you do that? No. Well, some of the companies provide warranties. And if you can get a warranty, buy it. Because you're going to be traveling a lot with this equipment. So I would say I would recommend that. You know, there are only a few producers of good equipment. Otherwise, we're going to have to adapt stuff that already exists to fit our needs. And um, some will let, there are a few electrical engineers that are doing that. There's a couple cheap hacks you can do that would help people out. There are specific radios that you can get from Radio Shack, AM, FM radio. You can hack it to be like an FD7 where it picks up, it runs through and scans through um, radio signals to see if you can find something that is answering your question. You can hack that one. If you're good at electronics, you can get a part of a connect um, for the, was it weed It's the connect? I don't know. Um, okay. I don't play games. But you can yeah. get that part over it online and build your own SLS camera. If you're good at electronics, that's a great way to go. And it won't cost you that kind of money. But um, we use night vision cameras, full spectrum cameras, full spectrum video cameras. Um, you know, there's a lot of equipment that goes into a proper investigation. Sensors, you know, movement sensors. There's, there's a lot. Um, if you're starting out, the basics that you're going to need is something for EMF. Get something like the Melmeter that does ambient temperature and get yourself a good tape recorder for EVPs. What is it like actually being in a location with very high degree of paranormal activity going on, spiritual activity. Can you walk us through that? What, it, what goes to your mind for the first time when you experience this type of stuff? Well, you feel when you walk in, you can kind of pick up, this is for me, because our, our texts that don't have any intuitive ability, they're hilarious. Like, I don't know if anybody's old enough to know Hogan's Heroes, but there used to be a, a German guard on there at the German POW camp that used to say, I hear nothing, I see nothing. They say that to us all the time. But uh, for an intuitive, when you walk in the building, something's going to feel off. It's just going to, it's, it's how you pick up energy. Um, if they're very close to you, I don't know, how can I explain it? It's almost like you're sticking your tongue on a battery. I don't know how I'll stick. It's a low <laughs> level Yeah, okay. it's like a low level stock, but it's not painful. But it, you can you can tell the energy's there, and um, while you're there, you can feel it moving away from you. You can feel it coming towards you. You walk around the house and spots, like I just told you when I walked in your building, there are spots <laughs> that you can feel, you can feel stuff. And but, um, for me, that's the beginning. I was going to say, for full disclosure, you're my first guest that's actually come and met with me in person, and for the audience's benefit, because they weren't part, part of our conversation before we got on the air, I just relocated my office space in the same building, and for the last several years that I'm here, there's rumors that this side of the building might have some type of a spiritual presence, a male energy, 
And while I've sensed a little bit, once again, it's kind of like my lawyer role because uh, this is my lawyer office. I don't really focus on that too much or talk about it. I mean, I'm talking about it now. It's on, it's on my show. But it was interesting when you walked up the steps and knocked on my door. And what did first thing you said to me? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to tell. Probably, uh, what's going on over there? <laughs> yeah, you pointed in the direction of, of where this activity has been been determined that it's likely where it's at the exact area and you were just like i think you said you you sensed the male energy and i'm like that is so interesting because i've had other intuitives that come visit me for lunch and i'll take a lunch break and they'll say oh is there something over here because i feel like there's something on the side of the building because we'd walk out the side of the building go to the street where all the restaurants are um it's interesting Mm -hmm. that you picked up on that and and i find that very (laughs) very entertaining on a personal level (laughs) because that's something that you know that you, you. I'm going to tell a few of the people that are in the building with me. By the way, I had a intuitive paranormal investigator come to come to our building, and she immediately picked up on this energy that we've been discussing yeah. for years. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Let's say let's say this building that I'm in. Let's say I own the building. It's my house, and we know there's that type of a presence. How would it be that we would get you involved, and what type of role would you do with that type of a presence? Um, kind of walk us through the steps that you guys would do. With, if I was to call you up and say, hey, I heard about Tampa Bay Spirits. Uh, I have this presence in my, in my house. Uh, I think it's I male energy. I don't know much about it. Okay, okay, Don't okay. tell me anymore. That's exactly then, what I'd say to you. Not another okay. word. Okay. And then I'd say, I liaison, call you. Okay. That's what I would do. Because I don't want to know. Because what okay. happens is, and for me, that's not a highly developed. I don't try to develop that. It just happens. You can okay. develop it, but I haven't done that. If you tell me, I'm going to have a hard time separating between my imagination and what I'm being given. Makes sense. And so I don't, I don't want anything put in there to divert my concentration. Because if that's not there... I need to know what is. So you, and that makes sense. You'd rule out whatever it isn't and then try to determine intuitively what it might be. And then do you use the equipment after that to conduct a more formal investigation or is that done at the same time simultaneously? Um, we, we do the silent walkthrough, but then we do full-on technical. If we are feeling okay. something, we will concentrate on that area. We go from room to room and do a sweep of the house. We do um, EVP work. We get our EMS monitors out to see if there's any fluctuations, if we can get them to talk to us using different methods. Maybe I hate an SB7 because of the noise puts me off, but I use that last when we do an investigation. Um, They speak very quickly through that because it's running. You have to slow it down on your audio and you'll be surprised when you're asking questions you want to make sure you build in those um validations so you ask the same question a different way and if you get the same response statistically that means a little bit more so you know that's what we go through room to room and then after we're done what that's with equipment recording everything while we're going we've got video we've got audio We've got the tools out to try to communicate. We've got proximity sensor. You know, uh, we've got a lot going on that we're trying to collect data. 
if the data matches up to what the intuitives are picking up, it's significant. If something occurs on audio at the same time that you're getting a temperature fluctuation or an EMF fluctuation that was not in the baseline, it's significant. You note it. I've gotten to the point where spirit voice is easy for me to pick up on audio. And it's amazing how much they talk. I was going to ask you, what is the coolest bit of evidence that you were able to collect either through audio or video that validated the stuff you were picking up intuitively during an investigation? Well, one of the things, and then a lot of people probably have been to Maystringer. I think one of those paranormal uh, tourism people picked up Maystringer, unfortunately, and probably raised the price to go through it and rent it. But, um, what is it? Maystringer House in Brooksville? I didn't know anything about that. Uh, can you share oh, with our yeah. audience a little background about it? Maystringer House in Brooksville. Brooksville was the Wild West of Florida. And Maystringer okay. House was a uh, one of the founders of Brooksville, a big farmer, a plantation owner, um, built the home, he and his wife. Um, after he passed, he had a couple daughters. After he passed, his mother remained there, and a opportunistic uh, man that was known for his military history uh, courted the widow and married her. Now, Brooksville was uh, there was a seedy side to a lot of the stuff that went on in Brooksville, same as anywhere. But um, a lot of dodgy things. And there was this fellow that married her. His brother was the one that brought the KKK into the area. So Brooksville's got a lot of haunted sites. May Stringer was a beautiful, lovely home. After after, uh, these people moved, they built another house. They actually lost two children. They They built another house and moved. A doctor bought the house, and then a a very benevolent person bought the house. But there's a lot of crazy history behind that. There was a a murder there. Someone was shot and killed. Um, There was death of children. Um, You know, there was a little snake. And the house does have some spirit going on there. Plus, they have a military museum in the back room, which, you know, that sometimes brings stuff in. Um, got some good EVPs in the attic of that place, um, talking over us, but Class A EVPs. Uh, and it sounded like they were saying, help, help, go get this person, help me out, bring this here, hurry up, she won't hurry up. And I'm thinking that with that spirit voice that there was maybe the person that got shot or somebody that was injured was brought up to the attic to recuperate. Or hidden? Interesting. Sure. Or something. Yeah. The house what? got a huge history. How, so the house is how old exactly? Uh, I have to look on my site to tell you the truth. It's been a while since I did the research. Okay. But um, absolutely. How about approximately? The <laughs> well, this is in the 1830s. That's when they were oh, yeah. still having Indian Quite a long time. 
they were having Indian raids, 1850s. I think the earliest about, burial in is one of the ladies around the same time the house was built. So I'm not sure for sure, know, but it was early 1800s. That's so interesting because Florida itself has, I know Brooksville's about an hour north of Tampa. So just if anyone's interested in knowing where mm -hmm. that is. And so this was up in that area. And that's, that's interesting. And so you have this structure that's existed that long with all that kind of history. And yeah. let me ask you this. People ask me all the time. They live in an old house. How does energy connect to structures and locations? Do you have any beliefs on that from when someone may have passed away and then now they're, you know, connected? Um, I don't think that there's a limit to where energy can go. I think that, um, ooh, that's funny. My ear just started ringing. Um, <laughs> the... I, yeah, I got somebody trying to talk to me. I think that over time, you know, we shed it. Just like you do, this sounds gross, I'm a nurse, sorry, but skin cells, you know, they're regenerating, that you shed them and they're microscopic and nobody knows that. And, you know, they can pick up DNA off of somebody licking an envelope. Well, I, I think we leave traces behind. I also believe that some substances, natural substances, are a natural conductor. And I believe it stores it. And I do believe in the stone tape theory. I do believe that there are certain types of stone that can actually absorb energy and um, hold it. Um, I don't know. Our um, limestone's known for that. But our um, house that I grew up in was, you know, 1800. And definitely it was more than one layer held in that house. I think that until the person that is ready to release what they love so much about living there and move on, because that's no longer the most important thing to their spirit, then they move. But sometimes people just love it. They, they love, I loved my home. And I think they're happy. It's something that makes them happy. So, yes, it definitely can absorb energy. I can, I can touch things sometimes um, and feel it or tune in. You know, those, those little antennas go up. So I do know that it does. I think that when there is high emotion, like a, it, something violent or something that is just a death or just or angst of any kind, I think we let more energy off. And I think that gets absorbed. That's interesting. What is the most notorious place that you've investigated in the last 10 years that really just rings a bell that you'd want to share with our audience that you felt this place is definitely high on the charts in terms of a lot of activity and there was a lot of stuff that happened in this location that's caused all these things to occur. And uh, mm -hmm. I guess in, in scope of that, what would you think your opinion would be? Well, I've been to a lot of places. Um, you know, poor houses hold a lot. Um, Edinburgh Manor, you know, they turn into an insane asylum. 
they start out as poor houses. That's what they used to do with people that couldn't take care of themselves. A lot of those turned into nursing homes. They hold a lot. Edinburgh Manor was very active. But I would say for the most powerful spirit, besides that there was a residential that I worked at that was extremely powerful, um, would be Villisca Axe Murder House in Iowa. Villisca, Iowa. What's it, how, and Villisca, how do you That's interesting. Villisca, um, how do you spell it? V-I-L-L-A-S-C-A. Villisca. And in that house, ASCA, yes. Um, It's in Villisca, Iowa. It's a small little farming community, adorable. Um, It had the mother, the father, two visiting children, and the children of the mother and father. They were all murdered in their sleep with an axe. Only one child. Yeah. The mother is the only one that had the sharp end of the axe to the face. It was very personal, very up close. The rest of them were hit with the blunt end. Only one child woke up during this. She was found laying across the bed with her sister. She was one of the visiting kids um, with her nightgown pushed up, but no evidence of any type of um, rape or anything like that. The axe and a slab of bacon were leaning against the wall in that bedroom. The mirrors in the whole house were covered with cloth or pieces of clothing. Now in Victorian times, when someone died, they covered the mirrors. Um, so someone took the time to cover faces and the mirrors, which is unusual. To hit someone in the face is an extremely violent and personal thing. Um, I believe that some of that activity in that downstairs bedroom was sexual in nature, which is tough to take with children. Um, and it was funny because I just watched a show on it and they said the same thing. Um, I also believe the child that was found across the bed was drug out of the closet. I saw her in the closet. It was just because when she was in the closet, it was the closet under the stairs. And the bottom underneath those steps, she was crouching as small as she could be. And that poor little thing's eyes, you know how big Gollum's eyes in their little tiny body? That's what that kid looked like. She was so scared. And unfortunately, you're not allowed to perform a blessing or anything like that. They don't want anything going on. And so I had to leave her. Um, But you could feel it was around 2 o'clock in the morning. We were switching out and taking breaks with the rest of the team. And I just looked at them and said, it's going to kick off. They walked in and their equipment went nuts. Um, We also had a, I don't know if it was a full, I believe it was a full-on possession happened there, which was my first. I've seen people that were um, influenced, but never a full-on takeover. And I believe that one of the investigators for the other team was taken out. And that is Mm. something I've never seen. And I was so shocked that I didn't react as um, quickly maybe as I should have. Uh, Did the best I could at the time. How did you combat that? How did you help that team member after discovering that they had been taken over by a spiritual force? 
get them out of the house. Grab them and okay. get them out of the house. Keep using their name. There's a trick that I use because I, I mentored um, someone else that does investigations that is extremely sensitive or an intuitive. And she couldn't control who was coming and going. And they were taking her over. And there are some things that you can do. Um, you refer to your senses. I see with my eyes. I feel with my hands. I hear with my ears. And what that does is it keeps you in your physical body. Somebody can't move you out of the way. And there's such thing as grounding. When you, I threw her on the ground. I put her down on the ground with her hands and feet on the ground. Um, because there's such thing as, in my belief that a transmuting energy and the earth can help you do that. Um, and also just working with her, staging, um, doing a blessing. Um, there, you know, there were people praying that are Christian. Um, she still has nightmares, and this was over a year ago. And uh, this person still visits. She still gets visited, but she was a new investigator. She was not experienced. She was exhausted because she had driven a long way by herself and didn't have proper sleep. We had an investigation the night before. Um, she was. Um, vulnerable. She was going through a lot of stress. She was vulnerable. And what does a bully do? A bully picks on somebody vulnerable. Makes sense. I could see. I could see that. I want to ask you this. A lot of times, most of the people who are tuning into this episode will think of what you do from the context of ghost hunters. Maybe some who are yeah. older will think of the movie Ghostbusters. So we got Ghost Hunters, Ghostbusters. We've got these different shows. There's a lot of shows that are out on cable now. And I want to ask you, what would you say to anyone in the audience that would compare you to the way that these investigations have been portrayed in movies and social media and programming? How would you differentiate your daily experience as a paranormal investigator compared to the way that these type of things are portrayed in our media? Well, first of all, I'm not trying to sell anything. Okay. Um, that's a big point. Um, second of all, that's not reality. That's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of these investigators that have shows do know how to investigate. They do use equipment, but it's entertainment. Um, sometimes they make more out of something than what it does you know, than what I would have. I think that Jason Hawes, B-Tango, that old group, the original Ghost Hunters, I think they're actually pretty good investigators. Um, they're, you know, Amy Bruni that was with them for a while, they have methodology to it. Now, they didn't show it all. I'm sure they have time constraints on what they can show. But a big point is just to have rational explanation to find that. I'm not there to... Um, I don't know what I, word I'm looking for, but I'm not there to, for it to be a show. I'm there to figure out what's going on and what we're going to do about it. And it's not as exciting. It is not, um, <laughs> it's not a show. And so it, it's much more tedious. I'm going to ask you a question. 
So do you have people running up and down the hallway screaming like they do on some of these shows? I'm not going to call any specific show, but I'm sure members of our audience might know what I'm talking about. Has anything like that ever happened where someone's running around going, oh, my God, I just came in contact. Something scratched me. Dude, run. <laughs> yes. Yes, no. exactly. No, okay. Okay. no. I've been with people before <laughs> that were new investigators that get startled. I've been doing this for a long time. When I watch a certain very entertaining show, don't I watch it. I have fun with it. I do too. Because I wait, I wait for that investigator to get their possession look on. But yep. um, you are not going to see me run. You're not probably going to see me jump. <laughs> sure. Because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. That makes you wouldn't be doing this if you were afraid, I don't think. Why would you torture yourself like that to show up and be afraid all the time? And yeah, I could see where it takes a certain type of person to be curious and intriguing and also use their gifts in the right way to quantify and help explain. And it sounds like that's what you guys do in your investigations. Um, well, I've been, I'm past the point of being startled. I'm not saying it won't ever happen, but I'm past that point pretty much, you know? I can understand that too. Have you ever been scratched or witnessed anyone yes. being scratched during an investigation? Yes. Uh, I think and about half our team has been scratched, and I've been scratched several uh, times. It burns. Are they the it's type of like scratches that you? Are they this type of scratches they, that you see on the different shows? They can be. Yes. They can oh, wow. be. Okay. I um. They burn. For the small scratch that they are, you wouldn't think they would hurt that bad. You know, we scratch ourselves all the time, not even knowing what's going on. Oh, poop, I scratched myself, and there it goes. And it doesn't hurt a few seconds later. Paranormal scratches are different. They have a lot of redness around them, but they burn. Um, wow. They hurt a lot more than a normal scratch would hurt. Have you ever been afraid of taking any of these paranormal entities and having them come back to your house or come follow you? Has that ever been a concern that you have? And if so, what steps do you take to try to prevent that from happening? Well, it is important to open and close. After a, um investigation, we normally will sage, burn bay leaf, cleanse our space around us. Um, this sounds woo-woo, but that's older. I can guarantee you that that type of cleansing, Native Americans use sweetgrass um, and sage, and that's old. It's ancient, and there's many cultures that use it, and there's a reason. Um, <laughs> we will do a lot of that. I'll do some work like that. White light meditation, my friend does a lot of white light meditation. Um, if you can clear out the energy around you by pushing your own energy out, that's a good way to do it. Um, put up protection before you go. I have actually had someone come home, and he bum-rushed me. <laughs> I was laying in bed, and um, he did a bum-rush to me at the side of the bed with his face in front of mine, and it ticked me off. Um, it, that was a joke for him. 
to see if he could spook me. And he's not a nice guy. And um, so, yeah, I have. And that's before I started being more careful. I mean, I've always done the open and closing, but sometimes when you get to heavy energy, more powerful energy, you need to use other re- other ways to get rid of them. That's interesting. What about Ouija boards? People ask me this all the time. I don't use them at all. I don't need to. I'm a medium, so I don't need to open myself up to that. Have you found any of your investigations been linked to where they use the Ouija board in the house? Like kids use it. They don't realize. They thought that they buy it at the toy store and it's completely safe. Have you ever had experiences with that before? Yes, I have. But I don't believe the Ouija board is any different than me using an EMF meter or anything else, any other type of communication device. It is absolutely no different. Where people go wrong is they think it's a joke. They don't close out. They don't set parameters before they touch the board. If you're going to sit down and say you're not even using, just like I said that crystals are a tool, the Ouija board can be a tool. Problem being is no one knows how to use it. They say it's a game, but they're not using it properly. And if you don't know what you're doing and you're not very experienced, leave it alone. Leave it alone because all you're doing is opening up. You're calling someone to you, someone or something to you to talk to you. But you're not telling them, hey, you have to leave. Or, hey, you can only go here. Or you can only behave in this way. Or only someone that has good intentions can come. So all you're doing is leaving yourself wide out. You're like walking in traffic is what you're doing. So That's a good analogy. You know, it's the spiritual season. traffic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, spiritual traffic. It's a, it's a I like that. <laughs> and, and people, the reason, it's like, ooh, Ouija boards. Ouija boards don't do anything on their own. It's what you put into them and how you use them. Just like with crystals. They don't do anything on your own. They are a tool. My EMF meter doesn't do anything on its own. It's a tool. So um, I don't believe they're evil. I don't believe that. It's uh, By analogy, it's like blaming your TV set for the programming that comes through and the stuff that you watch. You'd say, oh, that TV's bad because it has all this violence and nudity and sexual behavior. But the reality is, no, it's an instrument. It's what is coming through and what you're choosing to watch that can dictate – uh, how others might perceive it. So I could I could understand that with an analogy like that. Absolutely. Let me ask you. Uh, you mentioned the Edinburgh Manor, the poorhouse. Is that over in Scotland? No. Ha. Okay. The funny thing is, the first time I met this team, um, Dane and Jennifer Eckelman, they are part of D and M, the letters D and M, paranormal, and they work out of St. Louis area. And they were having a contest, and they were saying that if you enter, you we will pay for you to investigate with us um, in Edinburgh Manor. And I think that's Missouri. Scotch Grove. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's Iowa, too. I got to look it up again. I don't know. It's all blur. But, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, listen, okay, I'm going to enter this. And I did, and I won. And now Ghost Adventures um, actually – investigated that, but I'll have to tell you a funny story about that. But they investigated this manor. Um, and so I won the ability to go investigate. 
So I asked my teammate, hey, I want to go to Edinburgh Manor. Do you want to go with me? She went, yeah. She thought we were going to Scotland. (laughs) 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 I love her, and I'll never let her forget that. But um, That's why. Yeah. Yeah. We flew out. We met with those guys. We loved them right away, man. We clicked. They walked us through the building. We knew nothing about it. I'd never heard about it, looked it up, did anything. I don't like to look stuff up. We walked through, and I said, let's do an experiment. You guys have never met us before. We're both intuitive. Beth can sit in home base. I want one of you to walk me around the building. I'm going to tell you which rooms are active. So they did that one at a time. And, you know, we picked exactly the same spot. It's three floors in a basement. Three floors in a basement. It's huge. And uh, we Hmm. picked the same spot. And uh, that's where I met the other person that was an intuitive and worked with her to teach her how to have more control. Um, And there's definitely a lot of activity there. It's very interesting, layers and layers of it. That's so, it's like peeling back an onion and trying to figure out what something is one step at a time. It sounds like you employ these different steps between, you know, having you as an intuitive and maybe another. The way I look at it and from what you're talking about in our episode today, if I, and tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong when I, you know, try to summarize a little bit is if, 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 if this is correct, Tampa Bay Spirits gets called out. You go in there as an intuitive and you have a, a team of other intuitives that go through with a notepad not knowing anything about the property. And they go through and you go through and you pick up whatever it is. And then you have, I guess you guys collect your notes or whatever. And then you have the investigators that use the equipment come out and put the equipment in specific areas that you might identify as being a high probability of maybe picking something up. And then after that, you go through the whatever, how long it takes of that plus historical research. I think you probably have historical researchers. I also get your site. It showed that as well. And then it just sounds like you come together and you present this uh, conclusion to your or findings from your report. And then you deliver that to the homeowner. Um, does that sound like, I know I'm taking something that's pretty complex and multiple steps, but I'm just thinking for our audience's purposes, would that sound about like most of the steps that you guys do in your typical investigation? That's exactly exactly how we do it. I mean, there's a few little things we, after the intuitives walk through with their silent walkthrough, we do what we call the sit down meeting and we tell them what we got and verify that it's all recorded on tape. Then we go through forward and get the data from all of the equipment. And, you know, and then we try to contact and see if we get anything by contacting them in different methods. And all of that data is put together. We do the reviews for the audios and the videos and the cameras, the photos and all that stuff after the investigation. And then we put it all together. And it's amazing when you put it all together, what validates what. And then we type up a report and... If we have now we lost our historical researcher, she moved it, but she's still one of us forever. Um, she moved to Tallahassee, and so I'm kind of would like to pick up somebody that's a good researcher. And I have been doing most of it myself, but that's why the site is a year and a half behind because I can only do so much. Um, sure. You're, I'm yeah. Sad. You know. I'm, I love talking to you. I love talking about the paranormal. It's one of my passions. And then Wednesday I'm going down. I think it's Sarasota Library, and I have to do a presentation there. There's like a paranormal panel I'm doing. So I only have so much time because I work. 
Um, sure, you have your day but, job. <laughs> yeah. My other, per- I my other personality. That. Yeah, uh, you have your different but, hat. Um, I can connect. I can completely connect to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 got to have regular life happen first that pays the bills, and then you exactly. can go on with what your passion is. But um, yeah, I mean uh, that's exactly what we do, and then provide a report to that person. And like I said, once we return that report into them, they are our client forever. Anytime they need us, we will come back. That's great, and you and you and you do that. And I guess that's that gives them peace of mind, I'm sure, because it gives them the yeah. ability to know that not only are you spending your personal time volunteering, funding, coming up with uh, an approach to help them with this mysterious part of their, you know, their life because they have to deal with spiritual stuff. A lot of people I feel don't understand spirituality when it comes to paranormal stuff or mediumship. They don't understand it. And either, and I actually have people who, who are like, Hey, look, I respect what you do, but that's not something I really want to even be involved with. There's people who are afraid of it, the fear of the unknown. And so I could understand mm-hmm. that. And it's great that you, you have a relationship with your clients after that, because I'm sure that's very reassuring to them. Uh, that they not only have yeah. to come out and do this investigation, but then you're not. You're also saying we 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 stand by what we do. We're going to be available if you need us again. Let us know if there's increased activity or if there's anything that's going to be troubling. Let us know. We'll come back. Um, that's great. I think it's phenomenal that you don't charge people either. I think it adds to your validity of what you're trying to do and your intentions, and that's that's something you should be applauded for, in my opinion. Well, Let me ask you this. People that yeah. Good. Go ahead. I'm sorry. If you have something, you've had a couple people that would say, "Oh, we want to do a donation," and I and that's fine. If you want to donate, we'll put it into equipment or something. But I'm not going to ask you for a donation. I'm not, and I'm not going to pressure or expect it. I don't, because if that's what you want to do, because you're happy that we came out, you're grateful. That's fine. But I'm not going to ask you for one. Um, it's just not something you don't squeeze something. What is it? A blood out of a turnip? Somebody's in Correct. distress. The last thing I'm going to do is try to get some money out of them. I mean, that's, that's not I right. As well. Yeah. Right. right. That's true. Um, you know, you're performing a service, but when they call me, they are under duress. Sure. In some way. So I'm not going to take advantage of somebody. I can understand that totally. We're running low on time, but I still want to just ask you regarding uh, Tampa Bay Spirits. First off, I want to ask you, where would our audience go to find out more information about Tampa Bay Spirits and to find out more about you personally? Well, um, I have a Facebook site. uh, Our group puts one up so people can discuss things and can post stuff. It's I'm not getting a lot of uh, participation in that, which I wish we would do questions and answers. I've tried some lives before some um, investigations and stuff. We have about 120 people in it or something like that. But um, they can go to Facebook if they want to do face-to-face or watch some stuff or actually ask us questions or talk to us. We're very responsive. Or you can go, if you're wanting an investigation, Go to TampaBaySpirits.com. There's a page there you can email it. It'll go directly to our email. Um, or you can ask us on, what? you can DM me. You know, send a private message on Facebook to me. Um, email TampaBaySpirits 
at gmail.com. Okay. You know, there's several different ways if you need us. And in your Facebook group, is it Tampa Bay Spirits? Yeah. Okay, perfect. I, I, I find what you do fascinating. I think it's great that you mm-hmm. have been doing this for as long as you have. And I think it's important because there's so many people who have – one of my readings, I remember I did a group reading uh, last year, and I was in this large house, and it's, it's in western Hillsborough, eastern Hillsborough County. And they caught me off guard because they're like, hey, do you, do you also do investigations? And I'm like, I don't have any experience in that. Uh, I'm a medium or I'm intuitive, and I have whatever I have. And, and actually they walked me through the house, and I picked up – on these entities that they were saying were in the right rooms and it matched up and it corresponded. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, that might be the type of people that if I come in contact with either with them again or some other clients of my own that are asking me these kind of questions, I'm going to direct them to you guys because I, I feel like you don't send a podiatrist to do heart surgery. <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to find your own expertise and your, and your comfort level to be able to, to, you know, handle the situation at hand appropriately. I, uh, right, right. I think that's great. What, what investigations do you have coming up, if you'd like to share with our audience, what, um, what's on the horizon yeah. for you guys? We've got a private investigation. Someone contacted us. They're having issues in their home. And we do those more often. We, have, um, we are hooking up with DM, DNM again because we love them. We're going to go to, um, next year, we're going to go to Mickey Gillies, which is pretty famous for being haunted. We're going to old it's Mickey Gilly. Yeah, um, is it Mickey Gilly? Yeah, Mickey Gilly. Isn't that the one? Okay. I think it's Mickey Gilly. Um, and we're going to Old Licking Jail in Ohio, and then we're going to go and redo. I've been here before, but the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, wow. Ohio. Um, I think I'm I'm considering Waverly going to Waverly next year. We had it booked, and then. There was some in Hales Bar Dam, but there was some ownership issues. So that went by the way. Um, Talked to somebody at um, the Sorrel Weed House, and I'd like to try to get in there. It's pretty expensive. You know, some of these places charge an arm and a leg. Now, for the historical buildings, um, it's part of their upkeep. It helps keep them repaired. And paranormal tourism is their life's blood. Unfortunately, sure. there is a there are a group of people that have figured out they can make money off of it. There's always uh, somebody, and they have gone sure. into some of these venues and up the prices. Um, and so you know, I'm not I'm not doing it. You know, some of the places for us to go to Ohio State Reformatory to have I think we're going to have 12 people or something like that to get the building by ourselves is $1,200. You know, wow. um, for just to rent a it, few right? Hours. Yeah, to be there. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Considering you're yeah. doing a service, yeah. I guess everybody wants to take take something, or I guess they could justify and say it's for upkeep. Yeah. Well, I I know that one of those teams was trying to get into May Stringer. May Stringer used to be about two hundred bucks for us to have a large part of the night to do an investigation, and they had one of their docents there. Um, which was really nice for asking afterwards information. But um, I think maybe one of those companies might have come in and upped the price on that too. And it's a shame. It's a shame. because sure. Especially if you're a history buff. Because exactly. the history should not be lost. 
I can understand that totally. Uh, I just think what you're doing is, is extremely intriguing, extremely interesting, and just something that I, I've been wanting to have someone like you on our show for since we started. And uh, it's so great to actually have this happen. I would love to learn more about you guys as we go forward. And if there's anything I can do to host you or whatever, I would love to collaborate with you guys in the future. I think our audience might find that interesting and intriguing as well. Um, obviously awesome. the fit within the parameters of what you guys, you know, fit within the parameters of what you guys do. I would want to, you know, figure that out if it's possible. I would love to be able to say, Hey, you know what, for our show, we're going <laughs> to learn more about these investigations and maybe even participate in one indirectly or something. If that's allowed, I don't yeah. know if that works with you guys or not, but I know, um, that's well, something that's on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think for public venues, it's a little easier for us to take you along with us private Obviously, well, you have to have background check because of what you do. If oh, yeah. And I have a lot of people that will write me and say, can I go on your investigations? And I don't think they realize how serious it is that, you know, you're going into exactly. someone's private home in distress. And I just can't bring somebody along for a ride for that, you know. Sure. Um, I can't sure. do that. Can't do that. But, uh, yeah, I just think you, I think you need to get into it. I think you would love it. It's I think I think it would be great. I, I know we were talking about maybe off the air, like sometime next year or something, and j just let me know. And if I could put it in my schedule, yeah. I'll be happy to uh, to be available. And, and it's an adventure <laughs> as, as, uh, for me because it would be travel. something new for me, you know? Yeah, we love the travel. I mean, we jump on a plane, try to get cheap flights, suffer through that, and then land. And then usually we try that when we fly – we usually try to do two different flights over the weekend. And you are going to be great. exhausted. You'll be exhausted. <laughs> no problem. It's a, no it's, problem. A, it's a good exhaustion because you're going to be up all night and you're going to be busy. So it sounds I mean, like it's it'd a be lot of very work. interesting and intriguing. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to come on this show and, and our show and share your personal experiences and your information and just giving us the opportunity to have this platform and, you know, exploring something a little different than what I normally do. I, I find it it's it's very exciting for me, and I, I really appreciate you coming on and just meeting you in person and having our opportunity of working together. I really look forward to doing more stuff with you in the future. Awesome! I would love that. I and if I can get someone to talk about the paranormal, I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I what I already do falls into the, so one of those categories. I just consider it normal for me now. So. You know, uh, for right. the average person, what I do is it fits well outside their parameters. But from what you do compared to what I do, it, it sounds like, you know, we can have some very interesting conversations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and learn a lot. I'm learning constantly, and that's amazing to me. Learning about history, but learning about spirituality, learning about, you know, what the other world is and what's around us that we don't even understand. Correct. It's like a multidisciplinary approach to trying to interpret something that's been this you know, mysterious and uh, fearful thing for so many people. So I, I think it's helpful to bring some knowledge. You can change paradigms yep. that way and help people understand that yep. this stuff is so out of the ordinary. So Absolutely. Okay. It's always been there. I don't know why people freak out about it now. <laughs> people freak out about a lot of things you don't expect them to, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Mickey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I am so looking forward to uh, working with you further and collaborating. 
And I know our Great. audience deeply appreciates you coming on. Thank, Thank you. you for asking me. I had a lot of fun. It was a great time. It flew by, and it's a longer episode than normal, but it's so much information. I just enjoyed having us do this episode. I'm really excited about having our audience uh, getting their input. Well, that's what the edit button's for. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll circle back with you in a few minutes. Okay. I'm just finishing up the episode. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank Mickey Strange for coming on and thank Tampa Bay Spirits LLC for allowing her to come on and share her personal experiences as an intuitive paranormal investigator. Mickey is a phenomenal person. I had the benefit of meeting with her um, in person before our episode today, and it was just a, it's a, it's a really interesting for me. Uh, I've watched Ghost Hunters and grew up on Ghostbusters and all these other shows and it's one thing to see it on TV and, and speculate, well, what part of that's real, what part of that isn't, and how does it work in the real world. It's an entirely different situation when you actually have somebody who does this as their spiritual passion and utilizes their resources from their personal earnings in order to supplement that passion and help people in need. Um, a lot of people have shame when they talk about these topics in public, if their house is haunted or if they feel like uh, you know, if there's a presence that concerns them. Those are things that people consider taboo. And I think having people like Mickey on our show will maybe help change that paradigm into this isn't a taboo topic. This is something that exists. It's out there. And just keep an open mind as our audience when you hear this information. And you can formulate your own opinions, and I respect that completely. But for me, it's a great thing. Words can't describe adequately when I get to do these type of interviews and have everyone who comes on. It's just unique perspectives and it's very entertaining for me. So I hope, I hope each of you enjoyed this episode today. If anyone has any questions about our episode or anything about the show, you can always reach out to me at, the, at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. You can also check us out on our social media. We're working more on the YouTube channel in the near future, and so that will be coming out in a few weeks as well. Feel free to check us out. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and we look forward to having more episodes as well. And thank you for your continued support. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. 
Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.